Well, Merry Christmas. It's good to be together in the Lord and to rejoice in His birth. And I love this time to reflect upon Him, our Lord and Savior, who came as a child and who grew up to pay the price on the cross for us. Whenever we read the Christmas story or see pictures, we often have different images that, that go through our mind, and, and we remember stories as a child and have uh, different perspectives on what this nativity was like. There's a story of a little girl who came home from Sunday school, and she had a, a drawing in her hands that, that she had done in Sunday school, and her teacher said, this is one of the most unusual and really interesting uh, drawings of nativity and the birth of Christ that I've seen, and maybe you should go home and share it with your mother. And so she shows up, and she's full of excitement. She's all, Mom, the Sunday school teacher said, this is one of the most unusual and interesting drawings of, of the Christmas story that she had seen. And, and so the mother grabs the paper from her, and she looks at it, and she's like, oh, that is quite interesting. And she goes, I see that you have a picture of, a, of an airplane here. Um, what's that all about? Mom, that's the flight to Egypt. That's what that is. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I, I guess I can understand that. Now, what is, this, what is this angry man sitting on the front of the plane? Uh, who's that? Mom, that's Pontius, the pilot. Hello. <laughs> and she's looking at the story even more and and she looks down and she, she, she says, oh, I see, I see you have Mary and I see you have Joseph and, and baby Jesus and you have the whole manger scene, but who is this large man standing behind Mary and Joseph? Mother, really? Yeah, who is that large man? Mother, that is round John Virgin. That's who that is. <laughs> we have different perspectives of Christmas and the Nativity. But that's what I want to focus on this morning, is round John Virgin, the beautiful Virgin Mary. And I want to focus on her life, her journey of faith in her son, Jesus. There is a book out called The Real Mary by Scott McKnight. And I'm indebted to him for some of this contemplation that we'll have this morning on the life of Mary. We love, we love this, don't we? We love the nativity scene that is peaceful. We love images of Mary at rest and at peace, of Jesus in her arms. And what a wonderful silent night it must have been as they rejoiced in the King. Yet it was quite different, I believe. Matteo Ricci, who was a 16th century Jesuit priest, he went to China. And in order to bring the gospel message to those in China, he used artwork that was available, and he brought it to tell the story. And they, they loved the, the story of Jesus and the birth of Jesus and, and Mary. And, and they loved the stories of, of Jesus' ministry as he grew up. But then he would take out the artwork to explain the crucifixion. And they were repulsed by it. 
And they wanted nothing to do with it. And they, they wanted to just focus on the pictures of Jesus and the Virgin Mary and to give worship to Mary in that beautiful state of peace. Philip Yancey comments on that and says, as I thumb through my stack of Christmas cards, I realize that we in Christian countries do much of the same thing. We observe a mellow, domesticated holiday, purged of any hint of scandal. And above all, we purge it from any reminder of how the story that began in Bethlehem led to Calvary, to the cross. We love the nice warm feelings. We love the Christmas lights. And we enjoy that so much. But as we think upon Mary and who she was, when that angel showed up and told her what God was planning, I think her entire world was turned inside out and upside down as she learned and pondered what it meant to prepare for Christmas, the birth of Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting could this be? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus, which means God is salvation. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the God Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. It's an amazing scene, and I want us to journey there together. As Gabriel, whose name means man of God, Gabriel sent to this lousy town of Nazareth. It really was considered as such. It was an awful place. What what good can come out of Nazareth, people would say. And he went to this young girl, 14 years old maybe. And he spoke these incredible words to her, to Mary. Do you have any idea how many people in the town of Nazareth were named Mary? What percentage? You ever thought about that? 
I looked up some different church historians who were commenting on names of the time, and many of them land at 50%. Half of the women who were born during this time were named Mary. All to say, there was nothing real special about her. She lived in a lousy town. She's just a kid. She has a name like every other name. And God stepped radically into her life, just like he does with you and me. And so he shows up to this young girl. And he says, hail, greetings. Basically, in the, in the Greek language, rejoice exceedingly. Mary, you have found great favor with God. You are surrounded with grace. You are filled with blessing before the Lord God Almighty. How did this announcement to this young teenage girl affect her? How did she respond to such a thing? And all that was being said by Gabriel about this birth that would come. How did she take it? Yes, I can't wait. What a deal. This will be the coolest thing ever. I am so lucky. How neat this will be. Thank you for sharing with me, O oh man of God, what will happen for my future. You know what? I don't think so. The scriptures indicate very strongly she was troubled deeply. She, she was in angst. She struggled with this announcement and with all that was being said. She's, she's agitated. She's distressed. Young teenage girl with this amazing prophecy, Gabriel would have to be a powerful image. How would you feel receiving this announcement? Mary took all that was being said to her and she pondered these things. She, she went through them in her mind. All that was being said, she took very seriously what was being offered to her and she, she reflected upon what was being offered to her by Gabriel. I am to be the mother of the Messiah. And she pondered and weighed out heavily these things. And that's my question for us this Christmas time, on this morning of Advent that we prepare for Christmas. Have you pondered the gift of Jesus this season? Have you taken time to truly reflect upon who your Messiah is? Have you taken time to, to think about the gift that he is to you and me and that he makes to everybody? I love this cross that we have because it is of the child, but it's of the truth of who he becomes. Jesus, the Messiah, who died on this cross for our sin rose again 
And the promise to each and every one of us is that if we would believe upon him, we shall be saved. We no longer shall perish. We shall be saved and have life everlasting, eternal life with God Almighty. Our sin washed clean. Our sin taken away. The promised Messiah that Mary pondered upon. Have you? Taken time to ponder the gift of Jesus. It's to each and every one of us. She thought about it and she waited out and I'm sure was struck and she's troubled and she's wrestling. What does this even mean, Mary probably wondered. And what does it mean for you and me? If this announcement is true, if Jesus the Messiah is coming, if it's all true who he will be, how will this play out in my life? And we have to ask the same question. Each and every one of us, if Jesus is for real, if he is the son of the most high God, if he is given for mankind so that sin would be taken care of, so that we we might have relationship with beautiful, holy God, what does this mean for us? We are spiritual people, each and every one of us. And we each have a choice to choose life, or to choose death, life in self, and all of our self-effort. But Mary had to wrestle with the same thing. She was learning to follow God, and now she had to learn and understand, who is this Messiah who is to come? And what does that mean for me? Verse 34, as she didn't quite get it, and it's understandable, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month is now in her sixth month. For nothing, dear Mary, is impossible with God. Can you imagine the cost? Picture this, if you would. The cost of all that is being offered. Teenage girl who is told that she will conceive a child through the power of the Holy Spirit and He will be the Savior of the world. Can you imagine as she pondered, as she thought through, as she meditated all of this, the cost? I'll have to tell my husband, my soon-to-be husband, of this announcement from Gabriel. He probably is going to split 
he's probably going to think I'm absolutely out of my mind. And he's going to take off. Chances are she'll lose the marriage. She knows some of the consequences and things that have happened to those who have been adulteresses, to those who have slept around outside of marriage. And that cost is you're taken outside the camp and you are put to death, stoned. Can you imagine the cost as she thinks this through? Can you imagine the reputation that she'll receive? If she's not killed, she'll be stuck with a reputation of one who goes and meanders in affairs that she shouldn't, of one who is sexually immoral, a reputation that probably would stick with her for the rest of her life. And I think it might have. Jesus goes into the temple in Mark chapter 6, and he's teaching there. And they say about him, what is this wisdom that has been given to him, to Jesus, and that even he does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the son of Mary? And they took great offense at him. Isn't this the one who's an illegitimate child? He speaks great things and he's doing these miracles, but isn't he the one of Mary? You're never spoken of. The mother isn't. It's always the son of the father. Oh, but she's brought into the picture, isn't she? Isn't this the one who had this child somehow miraculously? Gabriel shows up and speaks these words of prophecy And Mary's life would never be the same. All that she would go through, all that it would cost her, how was she going to choose? What was her life going to be like? I think as Gabriel is presenting this to Mary, I think the angels, the heavens are listening in. She has lived a life of one who has trusted in God. She is highly favored. How is she going to respond when she counted the cost of all that would take place in her life? I don't think it was just an immediate response, like, sure, let's just do this. I don't. I think there's a a pause. I think there's actually quite a, a gap of time because she's reflecting, truly, what will all of this mean to me if I choose obedience if I live in obedience to the Lord. Thirteen-year-old teenager, nobody on the face of the planet to anybody else, another Mary. And I love this amazing response, and I think it's after she's counted the cost. And she says this, full of the power of the Spirit and faith, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. 
Your will be done in my life, O God. I will never be the same, and the cost will be great, but I belong to you, Father. And so that question goes for each of us. Who are we? Are we a servant of the Most High God? Do we consider ourselves no longer our own, but bought with a price? And that we live in obedience and in the will of God, and we invite the will of God in our lives like Mary did. I believe it's, it's this bedrock statement that will sustain her for the rest of her life as she lives out this truth. I can live in the middle of the chaos and all that's going to come upon me, and the reason I can make it through this crazy world is because I am a servant of the Lord, and His will be done in my life. And I will learn to trust in who He is. And I believe before Jesus suffered for man, Mary suffered greatly for Jesus. In amazing love and with an incredible faith, she chose the Lord. It was God's perfect timing with his servant Mary, and that's truly her character, that she chose, that he chose to bring his son Jesus, Messiah, light of the world, Savior, Prince of Peace. I want to remind you of the history of this birth narrative. All that Mary would have had to face. In Luke chapter 2, we are told that it's the time of Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And when Julius Caesar died, it was said that a comet went through the skies and took the spirit of Julius Caesar to the heavens because Julius Caesar was God. So who would that make Augustus Caesar, his adopted son? He was considered in Rome the son of God. It is Augustus Caesar who brought in the Pax Romana, which many of you have studied in Roman history, the Roman peace He is the one who brings peace to Rome. And it was said of Julius Caesar that he is the Soter. He is the Savior of Rome. And he is the one, whenever he spoke the good things, in the Greek it's euangelion, he brings good news to Rome and to all its people, and because he is the Son of God who brings in peace and speaks good news, Savior, Julius Augustus Caesar. Do these words sound familiar? Do you see what's going on in Mary's life? Do you see what's happening in the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And the angel shows up and says, 
It's your child who will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord's going to give him the throne. And he is the one who will reign forever. That's who Jesus will be. And the angels spoke to the shepherds, and the shepherds heard the word of the Lord. And the angels said, We bring good news, you on Gileon, of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A soter is born a Savior. Can you imagine how this turned everything upside down and inside out? And here's a teenage mom trying to understand and ponder in her mind, who is this child that I will carry and who will be born? How is this all going to play out? I don't think it was a silent night that we all like to picture. But a world of pondering and trying to understand and living in obedience because I am your servant and your will be done. I don't quite get it and I don't understand how it's all going to work, but you're going to do it, God, and you're going to use me. And so the shepherds rush in in Luke chapter 2 and they hurried in and they shared all the things that had been told to them And it says, all who heard it in 2.18 were amazed at what the shepherds said. But verse 19 says this, Mary treasured up all of these things and she pondered them in her heart. Everybody's amazed. Mary, this young girl, ponders and treasures these things that are being said. Now, every time you read this story, you think, what a beautiful, sweet moment, right? You have this idea of of Mary's putting together the picture book and, 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 you know, the sweet memories of this time. But I think it's quite different. Mary pondered, took seriously all that was being offered about this son of hers. And she treasured, she, she kept, she held on to all that was being said. It's not some little trinket thing. It's actually this type of terminology was used often of prophets who would receive a word of the Lord and they would ponder, they would weigh out heavily, they would consider, they would have a, a spiritual sensitivity to what God was doing. And not only would they just think about it and meditate about it and treasure it, take hold of it, but then they would respond to the word of the Lord. That's what it means to ponder and to treasure up. Have you pondered the gift of Jesus this Christmas season to take hold and to live out All that is said about who he is, Prince of Peace, Light of the World, Savior of Mankind. She went and lived it out in her spiritual sensitivity, and she responds in an amazing truth and in obedience to the Lord. And what she does next is is she brings Jesus to the temple. And in the timing that was right, 
according to Leviticus 12. And she shows up, and there was one there. His name is Simeon. And it says of Simeon that he was a, a righteous man who was waiting. He was waiting for the Messiah. Luke chapter 2. So Simeon receives this beautiful child into his arms. Jesus into his arms. And Mary and Joseph bring a few pigeons as an offering. That was for the poor people. That was for those who didn't have any. What was supposed to be brought, if you could do it, was a lamb, a pure lamb. And they did. In their poverty, they had the lamb of God. And Simeon holds this child up, this beautiful lamb of God, and he says, oh, Lord, you can dismiss your servant now. I, basically, I can die now and go to heaven. Why? My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, light for a revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. I have seen now your salvation. This is why Christ came. So that you and I, that our eyes would be opened and that we would see that he is salvation. We would see that he truly is our only hope. We have banked on so many different things, our work and and our prosperity and our position in life, and they have all failed around us because our only hope is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our only way of having life is through this child who became a man and who died for our sin. That's the only way. And it's the only hope we have. And I pray this morning for each and every one of you that your eyes, like Simeon's, will be opened up to see that he is the Savior. And he speaks forth to Mary. And he says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Mary is pondering these things, taking seriously what this all means. Glory through sorrow and suffering. There will be death. Telling the story to Jesus like our children want to know our birth story. Can you imagine that time? Let me tell you, Jesus, what has been brought to me about who you are. And she tells the story to her son. Every step of the way, learning to follow Jesus. And so they go as they grow up, and Jesus grows up, and they go to the temple, and Jesus is teaching there, and they're coming back home. And do you remember all of a sudden, Mary and Joseph and everybody's like, hey, where's Jesus? And then like every couple does, you get into an argument like, you lost Jesus. Who lost him? 
what happened here? Somebody lost Jesus. And I'm sure it's you, honey. You know, it wasn't me. They're normal folks. That's a normal argument. They go back and they find Jesus. And then there becomes a whole shift in this relationship, I think, of that beautiful child who is now growing up. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know who I am? Didn't you know where I need to be? And you can imagine the memories and the prophecy speaking in Mary's mind. She still struggled with it, says the scripture. She didn't quite get it. And, and she struggled along the journey, but she still lived out a life in obedience to Christ. Even when he goes and he's teaching and, and people are saying, hey, this guy is out of his mind. It, it, says, it says in the scriptures that he went. They went to go get him. And they went down to, to go see him and to grab him out of the house because they thought Jesus was losing his mind. They didn't quite understand. Messiah is supposed to purge Israel of sinners. Messiah is supposed to deliver Israel out of bondage. But let's go take charge of him because he's doing some strange things. And they show up at that house in Mark chapter 3 and and they're told, Jesus is told, hey, listen, your, your brothers and mother and They're outside. And Jesus says, Who are my brothers and sisters? The ones who ever do God's will, they are the ones who are my brother and my sister and my mother. They who do God's will. Can you imagine that message getting back to Mary and the brothers outside? And Mary learning to step back I am your servant. Your will be done. And there's a switch in relationship where I think Mary is learning to go, my son, Jesus, is now becoming my savior, Jesus. My prayer for us and everyone in this room is that we would switch from Jesus, the child, and the nice scene into Jesus who is Lord and Savior and my life, and your will be done. Mary, like you and me, is learning to follow Jesus. And we don't hear much more of her in the Gospels. But she follows Jesus all the way to the cross. And the scriptures remind us that she's right there at the base of the cross. And Jesus is up on the cross looking down. He says, oh, dear mother. Can you imagine Simeon's words? And your heart too, Mary will be pierced. And Jesus, in his last words, when he's on Gethsemane, 
He says, your will be done, Father, not mine. And on the cross, he says, I surrender to your will, my spirit to yours, my life in your hands, O Father. And Mary's there. A son who became her savior. That's why he came. That's why he came. But the story doesn't end there. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus spends time with his disciples and then he ascends to the Father. And then the scriptures remind us in Acts chapter 1, they all gather together every day for prayer. And guess who was right in the middle of the mix? And the mother of Jesus was there, says Acts chapter 1. Do you know what that means? That means, and Peter stood up, and 3,000 came to Christ that day as he proclaimed, Jesus, Savior of the world, has come to die for your sin, and if you would believe upon him, you will be saved. And 3,000 said, we want to be saved, because he is, we believe, the Savior of the world. And guess who was there? Mary, the mother of Jesus, as she began with the rest of the saints, the church of Jesus Christ. And she lived out in obedience to the rest of her life. Jesus, not just little child in a manger. There was no silent night. There was nothing but the world being torn upside down and hearts being changed inside out. And can you imagine the beginning of the church as Mary stepped back and watched all of these people falling in love with her son as she pondered and treasured the gift of Jesus.